0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com. We've been in uh, Flip the Script uh, now for about five weeks, and uh, Pastor Steve did a fantastic job last week. and so always uh, enjoy whenever he is able to step in and and we've just been looking at these big moments where this God comes in and just he just flips the script he just begins to just show us that that maybe it feels like things are heading in a in one direction but God can take them in a fresh direction and sometimes those feel like these monumental moments that That these miracle moments, and they're certainly there in the Scriptures. We certainly see them. But for us who have access to to the Holy Spirit, who have access to God's Word, who are the children of God, our Flip the Scripts moments should not simply be these periodic, monumental moments. It should begin to infect, honestly, our everyday it should should affect our every day. God wants to flip the script on us every day. And here's the truth is all of us have some sort of daily routine. You have a daily routine. You have a Sunday routine. My Sunday routine looks a little different than the rest of my routines. And so I get up a little earlier than I do um, the rest of the week. Um, I'm not one of these people who is a natural early riser. Um, I wish I was. I would love to be. I'm just not. I'm more of a night owl person, and and so I have to train myself to be able to do it. But we all have our routines, and if you've been around Celebration Church for a while, um, you know I've shared with you, you know, the fact that I, I'm not a natural early riser. I'm a pretty heavy deep sleeper, um, and the kids learned early on. Um, it's pointless to go to dad's side of the bed in the middle of the night. Um, in fact, it can be dangerous to go to dad's side of the bed in the middle of the night. Uh, if you if you have an intense need, uh, you maybe borderline need to go to the ER, um, talk to mom. Dad will say, go back to bed, you're fine. And not even know he said it. It's so true. And, so, and to the point that my, my daily routine begins not with one alarm, but two alarms. And so because... Um, I know me and I will turn off that first alarm. So my first alarm is simply to jar me out of my coma sleep that I'm in. And then my second alarm is actually to like get me up and to respond to it. And, so, um, and I think that there was a couple of people on the men's retreat that knew that story about me. And I got the blame one morning. Um, because there was an alarm on the men's retreat and the awesome guy will go nameless uh, of whose alarm it was. But he had this really uh, this really loud, obnoxious alarm last weekend on the men's retreat um, and it was this weird, almost like a techno version of Pachelbel's Canon in D. And so it was like, you didn't know if you just wanted to go deeper into sleep or wake up and start a rave. You were like... What, what, what am I doing here? And so it was just, it was just this, it was just this awkward, this thing, and, and it just, and the dude slept through it, 6 a.m. on a men's retreat. The dude slept through it, but a couple of the men knew I have a problem sleeping through alarms, so I come in to breakfast at 8, and they're like, it was you, Pastor. It was your alarm. I was like, no, it wasn't. It was not. I laid there, and I was like, somebody need to do something about that. I wish somebody in leadership would take a role here. But I'm sleeping. And thankfully, I think Kenan made it. Made somebody handle it. And so it was, there was some barking across the deal. Somebody finally handled the alarm. But, but there's a place where we all of us start with some sort of routine. And I guarantee, more than likely, unless you're one of these freako people that just wake up without an alarm, Lord, help you. The um, Bible says God gives sleep to those he loves. Maybe maybe you need to, like, have a conversation with God. I don't know. And so, and, uh, but, man, I get some sleep. And um, so but most of you wake up, and your morning routine starts with an alarm, and, and then the alarm, you know, begins to, to get something else going. And, and most of the time you get up, and m- most of us, let's just be honest, you know, you make the trip to the bathroom. Um, although there's a handful of you who are so coffee-dependent that you actually go to the Keurig first, and you do the potty dance, get in the pod, and then you start, because you know it'll brew while you're taking care of business. So you get that coffee just a little bit faster than you did the potty dance at the Keurig, and some of you do that. Because sometimes I do that. And so, because there's at least somebody in the room that's just true of. But it's, you just need that morning coffee, and then you get going, you get cleaned up, and we, we have our routines. We have the stuff we do every day. And God knows that that's, uh, we're people of habit, we're people of pattern, and all of those different things. We're hardwired for that. And I'm here to tell you that as growing as a child of God and really stepping into a place of maturity, really growing in a maturity, we don't really, really grow until something begins to affect our daily routine. Until something begins to jar and mess with our regular daily routine. Then it'll just become these one-off moments. It'll become these little awesome, little memorable moments. But the stuff that finds its way into our daily routine, that's the stuff that has the real genuine shaping of our lives moments is when we find those. And God wants to flip the script on your daily routine he wants to be involved in those things and so praise god we have a weekly routine and gather together on sundays and those things but what he really wants to do is get involved in your daily routine and i want us to revisit again um isaiah uh, chapter 61 verse 3 because the truth is if we'll trust god he will flip the script on everything and and uh, remember, Jesus starts his earthly ministry there in Luke and gives the account of it. And, and he, as he's beginning, he goes to the temple and he grabs the scroll of Isaiah and he reads this. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness Every moment where Jesus steps in, he's flipping the script. He said, "This I'm anointed to do this. All of this other junk that's going on, every time Jesus gets involved, man, things go in a new, life-giving, awesome direction. And God wants to so be involved in our daily routine. And trusting God in the daily things helps us to trust him in all things. That's when we can have When we need those big miracle moments, the daily routine Flip the Script helps us to be prepared for those really big, awesome Flip the Script moments. In fact, when Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, the daily needs, the daily stuff you've got to deal with every day is so important to the heart of God. It's so important to Jesus that it shows up surprisingly early before a number of other things that we should be talking to God in prayer let's go and let's look at how Jesus taught his disciples to pray you probably know it as the Lord's prayer and then here and we're going to look at Matthew's account of it Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 He says this is then how you should pray our father in heaven he's teaching them this was revolutionary call him daddy call him father our father in heaven hallowed be your name praise be your name remembering that he is a God worthy of praise, okay? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That God, your kingdom and your will is so big that as amazing as heaven is in my mind, you want to bring that to earth and I want to be a part of that. This is the place where he's teaching us how to pray aligning our will because we have a will and normally we go to God in prayer because we have a will and we have an agenda and we want to get God to move things in our direction. And Jesus is the very first thing. I get it. you got needs and we're going to talk about those things. But the very first thing that leads off, you need to make sure you're in line with God's will. Make sure you're in line with his heart. Make sure you're in line on those places. And one of our daily things should be every day to say, God, I want to walk with you. I want to be in your will. I want to I do what you want to do. And I want to see, see heaven invade earth. Then the next thing is give us today our daily bread. Give it to us today. Our daily bread, and in this prayer, it represents all of those daily things. The daily needs, the daily necessities, all of that stuff, not just our bellies being full, but all of those, those, those things we need just for everyday life. So we've talked about the, the will of God. We've talked about heaven invading earth. And then the very next thing God cares about is the fact that he knows you have daily needs. And it's cool to talk to him about that. Even before, even before forgiveness. Give us our daily bread, and then we get into forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our, de- our debtors. See, there's a place that when we're worried about our daily provision, and that is weighing on us, we step into that sorry, not sorry mode. All of a sudden, if I've just got to take care of me and mine, Maybe I'll be a little bit aggressive at work. Maybe I'll be a little bit protective. Maybe I'll be out here and go, oh, sorry, didn't mean to push you out of the way. Not sorry. And be able to go in here. But as soon as we know and rest in the truth that our daily stuff is going to be provided for and cared for by, by the hand of God himself, that actually frees us to begin to actually care about how we interact with others, the fact that maybe we need a little bit of forgiveness and so others do as well. And it, it is just this understanding and trusting God with that daily bread is vital. It is vital. And it frees things up if, until we get that thing settled. There's so many things that don't get settled. And give us our, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He wants us to talk to Him about the fact that we have daily needs even before we talk about our temptations, our stuff that we know I just might go sideways on this, Lord. I'm going to have some issues with this today, Lord. I'm going to have to deal with that joker at work and these hands might throw. Lord, that He wants us to be able to talk to him and settle those needs and be able to get things all settled on that daily need, daily bread issue. And that opens the gate. That opens things up for us to be able to deal with these other things that in our minds, we think God's more concerned about our temptations, our hangups, stuff that kind of we find ourselves spiritually battling, this place of forgiveness. Folks, he, he cares so much about your daily stuff that Jesus taught us to talk about that first and just get that dealt with. Before we get into the, our other stuff, yes, we need forgiveness. Yes, there's, there's hangups and there's stuff we need to, to mature past and there, there are some temptations and things that get in the way, but he wants to talk to us about those, about the daily needs issues. Now Jesus taught his disciples how to pray this way, um, and then he he provided, he he took care of his disciples. But there was this little gnawing thing in the back of their minds that no matter how many times they heard Jesus talk about you know trusting God for their daily needs, how many times they saw Jesus supernaturally provide, there was still this little thing at work and it got in the way of Jesus trying to get them more spiritually mature. And we're going to look at that in Mark chapter 8. And before we get into the scripture here, you have to understand what takes place in Mark chapter 8 because it's the full context that makes a difference. And about the first 10 verses of Mark chapter 8 is the feeding of the 4,000. So there's over 4,000 people there listening to Jesus. Um, you know, uh, the disciples, you know, they're Jesus's crew. They're Jesus's posse, man. And, and man, they love being a part of that entourage and, and helping and, and, and doing all that. Um, they kind of bring up the need. Hey, these people are hungry. And, and there ends up being seven loaves of bread. 4,000 people, seven loaves of bread, okay? Um, I don't care how big these loaves are. Um, 4,000 people is just too much for seven, even massive loaves, okay? And so Jesus begins to give thanks. He's thankful for the seven, um, not freaked out by the 4,000, but thankful for what was there, and begins to break that and pass it out. And it just kept multiplying, and they witnessed 4,000 people get fed to the full with leftovers done, People were able to go to get seconds and thirds and however much, and they're just, they're full. They're full. There's baskets left over. They had just witnessed this. They get in a boat. haven't gone to sleep. This happens. They get sit there. They get in the boat, and then they sail a little bit across this lake and get out, and there are some Pharisees who are these high-up official people in the Jewish world, very legalistic. They want to just... Cross all the T's, dot all the I's, make sure everything's just right. And they're not convinced Jesus is the Messiah. They don't know who he is, and they ask for a sign, and Jesus says, no. He gets back in a the boat. They're like, prove yourself, and he says, no. Um, if Jesus didn't have to prove himself, um, let go of the weight of feeling like you always got to prove yourself. Walk in the truth of who you are, and that's enough. And that will set somebody free if you'll let them. And so they get back in the boat and sail back across. And now they're in the boat, okay? They had the amazing thing with the bread. They had the encounter with the Pharisees who had seen miracles, but they're not convinced of who Jesus is. They're back in the boat. It's Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus begins a teaching conversation with his core group, okay? And as they get back in the boat, verse 14, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. So he's he's like, he's just had this moment with the Pharisees that they're looking for a sign. They're in the boat. For whatever reason, they're conscious of the fact that they didn't bring any extra bread. And as they're conscious of the fact that they didn't bring any extra bread, Jesus opens up and he uses a metaphor, okay? He uses a teaching tool and says, beware. This is the thing where Jesus is wanting to protect his guys. He's wanting to, to sit there. He's slapping a big warning label on what they just saw. They just saw the Pharisees trying to pick apart and get these, get these uh, signs and want a sign. And he says, beware the, uh, the leaven, the, the, the yeast that's stuff that, of course, it gets into bread and it works its way through and that's what actually makes it puffy and all that, but, but it, it was a metaphor in here of this stuff that just a little, tiny little bit would get in there and affect the entire thing. It says, so beware this leaven of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Now, Luke chapter 11 lets us know that the leaven of the Pharisees, this is a hypocrisy, okay? Now, folks, we all know that everybody who says, I don't want to go to church one of the things they have a problem with is hypocrisy. Like the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. Well, Jesus tried to warn his first batch, watch out for hypocrisy. We still need to watch out for hypocrisy. Nobody likes hypocrisy. And so, you know, if if you've been upset with, with Jesus and Christianity because of hypocrisy, guess what? Jesus don't like it either. So you don't have a problem with Jesus, you have a problem with Jesus' followers, and Jesus didn't like them being hypocrites either. Okay, so on that front, you're right in line with Jesus. So why don't you study and see if maybe you're somewhere some other things are right in line with Jesus. Maybe he's got some other good stuff to say. You find like, yeah, that's good stuff. Maybe you ought to check that out. And so, so Jesus, like, I don't want that. And then the leaven of Herod is this thing of grasping for power for earthly power. And as the church was going to grow over the years, these things would eventually be our number one stumbling blocks for the church, our hypocrisy and our desire to grab power. And I'm telling you, they, if that one lesson was one of the most deep impacting lessons for those who would lead the church, it is still a deep impacting lesson. But in the middle of that, it says, they discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. What? What? Jesus said, the, the, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. Now, it wasn't because they were about to pull over to a little, a little food court to pick up some bread and go, don't go to the Pharisee bread stand and don't go to the Herod bread stand because those are bad. And he wasn't doing it. It was so clear that what he was talking about and they were so fixated on their own personal need because that, that one loaf was not going to split 13 ways very good. It wasn't going to split 13 ways very good. And they were so fixated on that that as Jesus was trying to take them into a deeper truth, they were still stuck on their daily need. Still stuck on it. They're still stuck on their daily need. And because they could not get past that, they're missing the deeper truth. They're totally missing the deeper truth. And until you and I begin to trust God with our daily needs, we will not move forward in the deeper truths of what he has for us. We'll be stuck right there over and over and over again. And we will tend to do what the disciples did. See, the disciples, um, we will tend to uh, magnify our problems instead of magnifying our God. Now, their quote was, it's because we have no bread. But we already know they had one loaf. Now, how many of you this morning went to your closet and said, I have nothing to wear? When there was a closet full of stuff, there was nothing you wanted to wear. My kids would go to the, to the stuff, we don't have anything to eat. No, you don't have anything you want to eat. Our cupboards have never been bare, ever. There's always been something. To put in your belly. It may not be what you wanted in that moment, but there was something to eat. And so they magnified their problem. It went from one loaf to, in their mind, that one loaf was the basically like no loaves. It's because we have no bread. Now, based on the math we saw in Mark chapter 8, there were seven loaves, 4,000 people, okay? That one loaf would feed at least what, 600 people? They had plenty of, they had one loaf and Jesus. They had all that they needed, but they could not get past it. They magnified their problem instead of magnifying the Lord. That's why Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Praise be thy name. The first thing we do when we go to this is we remember how big he is. Because if we don't, then all of a sudden, we will begin to think our problems are way too big. They're way too big, and that's exactly what we saw. And then verse 17, it says, "'Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, "'Why are you talking about having no bread? "'Do you still not see and understand? "'Are your hearts hardened?' "'Letting God into our dailies, "'understanding and trusting him with the daily stuff,' That is what keeps our heart softened to him. Trust in him to take care of our regular, regular necessities, our regular needs. Being able to do that, that's what keeps our heart soft. Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? The answer, seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? Why are you not getting this through your heads is what he is telling them. And that's because they had fixated over and over and over again on their problem and it's just because the previous miracle happened they did not extrapolate that into that was the way god works he takes care of us matthew 4:4 4, 4 says jesus answered it is written man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of god and that is the tension These guys were still, they had the word incarnate in the boat with them and still fixated on something some baker made instead of what the maker of the world made and brought them Jesus. They were so fixated on that that they could not get it. They could not get it. And we will over and again trip over the same thing and not stay connected with every word that comes out of the mouth of God when we feel like that we can't trust him with our daily needs. Matthew 4, 9 through 10 says, all of this I give to you and if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Ultimately, that is the path the enemy always wants to take us on. He started out just trying to meet his daily need, but ultimately it was about trying to get and steal his, his, his worship. See, God wants us to trust him daily so that we can live free daily. Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or, or store away in barns, things you can and you can do, they can't do them. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And when it's all said and done, that is always the question. How valuable are you in God's eyes? When you understand how much you're loved, the rest of this begins to fall in line. That's why the enemy wants to remind you of every little thing, you, every little mistake, every little stuff you did wrong so that you begin to feel like you're not worthy and all those different things. No, Jesus made you worthy. That's what we just celebrated with communion. He made you righteous, and now that you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we have to begin to connect in that way. Matthew six twenty four puts it this way in the New Living Translation. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. He wants us to trust him with the daily things so that we're not enslaved to chasing after resources and having our needs met. He cares about that. He wants us to talk to him about that, but he doesn't want us to be enslaved to that. And trusting him in the dailies helps to set us free. If you'll remember, whenever we talked about Jonah a couple of weeks ago, Jonah's prayer while he was in the belly of the fish in verse chapter 2, verse 8 says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. That's why God wants us to not be enslaved and not have two masters. Because if you begin to turn to the master of money, you've turned away from God's love for you. And that's why we have to learn to trust him in the daily things and begin to connect with him on those fronts. Romans eight thirty one says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Jesus is God's measure of his commitment to us. If he would give us Jesus, he would give us anything we need. Our bottom line today is trusting God with the small stuff is the big stuff. That is the big stuff. Letting him into our everyday, that is where things begin to transform. Because nothing really shifts until it changes your daily routine. Nothing really shifts your life until it changes your everyday, your every week thing. See, Jesus came to flip the script on everything. And as we see that he can and does on the big moments of our lives and the daily moments of our lives, begin to come in and do that, we begin to live genuinely differently. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.